in the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey doesn't share food! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy. And I'm Aileen. And today we have a much anticipated guest. You either follow her or have requested to have her on the podcast in the past in the past, or you should just go follow her right now. Her name is Cameron Rogers, aka at Freckled Booty on Instagram, and she is a listener of this podcast as well. At, so we are mutual fans of each other. Um, <laughs> yes. Welcome. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's always fun to be on a podcast that I actually listen to because it's like it feels almost like an alternate universe now. Like I'm on some inside. I broke the fourth wall or whatever that saying is. <laughs> yeah, it's very. So you have your own podcast. Yes, which you do. You do solo, which is like yeah, pretty impressive. Honestly, I realize. So I've been trying to figure out like how to grow the show, and I've been talking and engaging with my community on Instagram, and I keep thinking like it would be so nice if I had done this with a friend to just be able to like have those conversations with someone else, like not solely relying on me and also be able to give more life updates and stuff like that. So I think I'm going to add in some segments that are maybe like just me answering some questions. I don't know, but it's hard. I mean, doing it alone, it really depends on the guests. Some guests are so easy, but you guys know some guests you're like pulling teeth and then like, what, how are you so great on your Instagram stories and why can't you answer a question on a podcast interview? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because Instagram is Instagram is obviously, we all know, highly curated, which is yes. a big focus of what you talk about. But yeah. before we get into specifics, do you want to, I guess, just kind of like tell us your story, what you're mm-hmm. about for people who might not be familiar? Definitely. So as you mentioned, my name is Cameron Rogers. I am what I kind of say the voice behind Freckled Foodie. It's almost like this alternate ego I've created, but I am a content creator in the health and wellness space. Um, I run my Instagram, blog, YouTube, TikTok, which we laugh at, but I honestly love the app so much, <laughs> and podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends. And across all platforms, really, my mission is to make healthy living approachable and to reassure everyone that no matter what emotion they're feeling, they're not alone. I talk a lot about everything that's going on in my life and food is a part of that. But really, I discuss also a lot of mental health and anxiety and body image and body positivity. And honestly, whatever I'm feeling that day, I kind of joke that my Instagram stories are like an extension of my therapy sessions because I just treat my community as if they're my therapist, evidently. Um, But something that you mentioned before, the curation aspect of Instagram, I do make it a part of my mission to be as I guess like my truest self on there. And so I really hate Instagram filters. I do not use them. I talk about anything from like morning poops to getting high. Like there's no off boundaries for me. So that's kind of my spiel, I guess. And how did you get to this point? Oh, right. How did I get into it? Yeah. Um, 
So I took a bit of a wild journey and I didn't, I hate saying I fell into this, but I really didn't think it was ever something I was interested in. I graduated college in 2013. So I guess, wow, like seven years ago. And I was an economics major and I started working at JP Morgan in sales and trading and I loved it. And it was a great job. I had a great career path ahead of me and I thought it was everything I ever wanted. And I started struggling with digestive health issues. And with that, and the fact that I just felt I was spending so much money at like Sweet Green and Dig In and all of those places, I started cooking more and then I started meal prepping and then I was like testing all these recipes and I was creating stuff in the kitchen and it just became this creative outlet. And the more and more I did it, the more I realized I loved it. And I would sit at my desk during downtime and instead of researching the Muni bond market, the product I was selling, I was on like Eater NY or like Well and Good and all of those websites. So that was my first like ding, ding, ding. You don't really care about the product that you're working on. And then I started the account as a total side thing. It was a secret. I was like really weirdly embarrassed about it. And once I started to get more comfortable around the concept of like having an account, it was just food, never showed my face. It was very different than what it is right now. And I started to realize this is what I really care about. And I felt like there were so many doors I wanted to open, but there just wasn't enough time. I was getting up at like 4, 4.30 in the morning to work on it to then work out, to go to work, to come home and work on it again. And when I think back, I'm like, you are a fucking lunatic. <laughs> but I kind of had decided like my job, I carried so much ego in my job. It was such a badge of honor. I loved telling people I worked in sales and trading. The pay was amazing. It was the golden handcuffs of it all. And I just didn't think I could give it up to pursue something that I didn't know really what would it entail. And then I actually got hit by a car and that like really shook shit up for me. Yeah. So I know whenever I say it, people are like, what are you talking about? So because you I'm just talk- said it so casually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, now it's just such a part of my like, story. It was just one like, I, you know, I love my job. I got hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I need to find a better way to integrate it. But honestly, that's what changed everything. So I was crossing right. like set it like- up a little bit. You could be <laughs> like, I had something really serious happen. So I had, yeah. I we got need to work on <laughs> So I had a – well, usually I say I had a life-altering moment that changed yes. everything for me. <laughs> okay, okay. I actually got hit by a car while I was crossing the street in Brooklyn. I'll never go back. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and I suffered from a really bad concussion. And so I was on disability for two months. And, you know, it was not my first concussion. Unfortunately, it was like my sixth one. And it really rocked me. And so I couldn't read. I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't like be on my computer. All I could do was literally journal and talk to people. And it was actually when I learned how to meditate. And during that two month window, I had so many, I guess, life realizations of just what the fuck am I doing? If I'm not happy doing this, I'm only doing it for money and for ego purposes. And there's so much privilege that goes into being able to make the decision to quit that job and pursue something. And I'm really aware of that and I'm grateful for it. But I kind of was like, you know what, you'll never be this young or have this like less, it's not like I have kids. I don't have a responsibility for anyone but myself. So I decided I would go back to my job and put in my two week no, two weeks notice and give myself like six months to try this out. And it's been, I guess, like two and a half years now. So wow. yeah, it was a wild wow. ride. Can we talk more about like yeah. the life realizations you had? Of yeah, course. What, what were they? <laughs> so my job was I'm a very like check the box type of person and very type A and I joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist and a lot of my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. 
a lot of my anxiety stems from people pleasing and making sure I'm doing what's asked of me and doing things on like I have a huge time trigger for me. Oh my gosh, like having clocks around is like anxiety inducing. So for me, my whole life, I felt like I just was doing everything that was expected or asked or like what this path led me on. And I was a great student in college once I got my shit together and I was a college athlete and I just really performed, I guess. And as an economics major, this was like the top job that you could get. So I was like, yeah, of course. Like I actually wanted to be a sports broadcaster, but my mom convinced me to apply to this internship. And then when I got it and then I got the full-time offer, I couldn't not take it. And even at JP, I was such a, you know, I did everything that was asked of me. I, I really had a great path ahead of me. And the concept of leaving that was always so daunting because I would be doing what was not expected of me. And I would be going against like the typical path. I would be making my own route. I would be in my mind, letting people down, quote unquote, I wasn't letting anyone down, but I just told myself I was. And I think during this window of time, I realized how anxious the job actually made me and how unhappy I was. And I was going through a lot, but I mean, I would come home and just cry hysterically for no reason. I would have these weird depression spells that are not like me at all. And my whole life was so go, 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 go that like I just for the first time actually slowed the fuck down and realized what was happening. And I think within that window and realization, I noticed like life is way too short to be doing this thing that I don't love for a reason, yes, obviously finances are important, but I had saved a lot and I'm come from a privileged background and I was in a place where I could step away and try to make something of my own and try to make a career out of this. And it kind of just became this whole thing of like, should I? I don't know. That'd be crazy to then. I can't not do this. There was, it was no longer a decision. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even wanna try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. That's amazing. I mean, we, we have a friend who um, did something similar who worked in sales and trade. We actually have two, two friends, one two, yeah. who worked in sales and trading, one worked in consulting and like with basically on a similar timeline to you, like after graduating, just like 
We're like, this isn't for me. One has, is now a therapist. The other one mm-hmm. is a resident. Like she gone to med school. So good for that. You know, that, you know, you're not alone in just feeling like, oh, I thought that I had to do this. That made sense with my major right. and with like what finance, you know, financial, it's financially mm-hmm. beneficial, obviously. Um, and they just like, we're like, this isn't really me. Right. And society and cool. standards, like how much, yeah, sure. I was making great money, but I was so unhappy. And if I can make money and be way happier, why would I not adjust my life to fit that lifestyle, which is what I did? Yeah. So something you, you mentioned being a recovering perfectionist and obviously mm-hmm. you're very passionate about food. So yeah, how, I mean, if you're willing to talk about it, how, mm-hmm. um, how did that tendency kind of show up in terms of like, you know, how you feel about your body, how mm-hmm. you, you know, your, your eating habits and that kind of thing? Absolutely. It definitely showed there. And I think I'm finally on the other side of like a window of time in my life where I'm really reflecting back and coming to realizations of things that I didn't notice while they were happening live. And I, I definitely don't think I had an eating disorder, but I definitely think I had disordered thoughts around food and maybe like on the spectrum of that orthorexic behavior because A, I think that's very where, where the wellness industry was headed at that time, call it three years ago, even still today sometimes. Um, but it came from such a meaningful place. I was struggling a lot with digestive issues. I was like at a point where I couldn't really breathe at night. Like I had a lot going on. And so I was figuring, I was like following, you know, a low FODMAP diet because I had SIBO. I was following these elimination diets for a good purpose. And my intention was there, but the impact was so off because then I became obsessed and I became obsessed with the idea of like, well, if I eat this, am I then going to be like riddled with pain for a day and I don't want to eat it. And then I would get so, so worked up over it. And I do think that the mental state of how you go into eating a meal does impact how you digest it. And for me, it was just food was something I love so much. I've loved it my entire life, but it became this anxiety trigger because I was so concerned that I would flare up of sorts. And I then kind of did what I do best and tried to take control over everything because I'm a control freak. And so then it was like, okay, well, I can control this. I can control what ingredients I'm eating if I'm making everything. And, you know, for when it also ties into exercise at that same time for me, because I was an athlete my whole life. I never once had to think about really what I was eating or working out because I was just going to practice all day. And I played a D1 sport. So we were practicing three to four hours a day, almost every day. And it was never a thought process. Like, do I go to the gym? Because I would just show up. And post-college, my body obviously started to change and I felt uncomfortable and I realized, okay, well now I'm responsible for actually like making time to exercise and figuring out what that exercise looks like. And I turned to the one thing that I knew how to do, which was run. And I'm also a numbers driven person because it provides that tangible asset. So then it became like, well, I ran three miles yesterday. I have to run three and a half today. Well, I ran it at this pace. I have to run it faster. And I just became so obsessed with that realizing. And I think the two were very intertwined of what I was eating and working out and I think back to those days, it was while I was still at JP and, you know, my whole life was just so intense. And 
it parlayed into everything. Like I would go to bed anxious to wake up to make sure that I would feel what if, what if God forbid I couldn't poop before I got to the gym. And then what if I couldn't run five miles? Like who cares? I was so <laughs> obsessed with it. Um, you just sound like you were really hard on yourself. Like almost like so you, took, hard on myself. you took the environment of being like in finance or whatever. And then you just put it on yourself. Yes. Absolutely. At all Spot other on. stages of life. Yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely obsessed with that type of behavior. And also it was everything I was seeing on Instagram. It was like, everyone, make sure you drink your celery juice. And I actually do think celery juice really did actually help my digestion, but it also caused this like extra stress of me having to juice fucking celery and then like make sure I had <laughs> time to drink it on an empty stomach. Like forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually will say I started drinking celery juice before it was a thing and I would go to juiceries and ask them to just juice celery. And they looked at me like I'd find Five heads and now who's laughing but um it was just obsessive and the concussion really did change a lot for me in many ways not only with my career but also it I couldn't do anything for two months and I realized that I wasn't working out for two months I wasn't really cooking and because I was in this like calm state of mind not going to work and really just like meditating and laying on the couch and talking to people my digestion was the best it had ever been. And I felt so comfortable in my body. And I also found this newfound, I guess, appreciation for, you know, when you're sick and you have a cold and you can't breathe and you're like, how do I take breathing for granted every day? Mm -hmm. I can't wait until yeah. I can breathe at night again. That's how I felt where I realized, wow, I take for granted just the smallest things of being able-bodied every single day. You know, right after my concussion, I couldn't really walk more than like five blocks. And I noticed the fact that I used to beat myself up for not running a fast enough mile that like good for me for even being able to run a mile. And so I remember the moment I was cleared to exercise and I went for a like walk jog and I probably jogged like a 10 plus minute mile and it was the happiest day of my life. And I was like, I will never take this for granted. And that really changed my relationship with exercise. And I think the body image stuff has honestly come more recently, weirdly over quarantine, which I think a lot of people are experiencing the opposite. Um, but for me, I think a ton of it has to do with what you're consuming. So I did a huge purge of who I follow on, on social media, Instagram or TikTok. Um, I found accounts that are encouraging all different types of bodies and not beating themselves up over anything and honestly just owning their themselves. And my husband is also really helpful on this topic because, you know, I'll say things where I'm like, oh my God, these people, they're so small. Like, oh, what? And he's like, those aren't even the people that when, when you see people in movies that look like that, you're never saying those girls are gorgeous. You're saying like the more full-bodied people who look like, like with a figure and boobs and butts, you're like, oh, that girl's hot. So why are you trying to be someone that you don't even usually like characterize into who you find attractive? It's just what media has unfortunately, I think, ingrained in us since we were so little. So I think, I don't know, it's been really interesting over quarantine and honestly maybe something has to do with it of not being in new york and like constantly being surrounded by like everyone putting in twenty thousand hours to look a certain way and i just feel more confident now than honestly i ever have which is a really great turning point that's amazing <laughs> Con yeah. congrats like, what the on fuck like are you talking about <laughs> no no i'm not even like what the fuck are you talking about i actually like really feel He's amazed <laughs> I'm like so happy because it makes me feel like, cause I've been sort of starting to feel that way too. Like 
I, like I've said on this podcast, like I, when I sometimes will see a woman who normally I'd be like, oh, I want to look like that. She's so slender. I sometimes will see it and I'll be like, that, like it doesn't look healthy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're right that the more accounts you follow that embrace other types of bodies, like they start to seem normal to you. It and changes they start, everything. I don't even want to say sure. normal. They start to seem like they're nothing that you should be ashamed of. And I'm only saying that we thought they should you should be ashamed of them because like you said, when we were little, you grew up with like these magazines and like beautiful, right. like perfect looking people who paid billions of jobs, not billions, tons of money to look that way. <laughs> and then now you have the Instagram version where every single person's feed looks like they were photoshopped by Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I also, I Sorry, also think over this time, I've really been working on, I uh, not only am I like a recovering perfectionist type a but i'm also a recovering bitch and i'm (laughs) working on that (laughs) yeah it's honestly my biggest like constantly i i have nightmares of if people were to come out and like blast me for things i've done in my past but i feel like because i own it it's like okay well what what can they say now um and with that like bitch voice i think so when i my mom struggled from an eating disorder and we knew about it as a kid like she had recovered, but still like that mindset stays with you. And, you know, she grew up in a house where her mom was very critical of herself and others. And so my mom was kind of critical of herself. And it's just what I also saw growing up. And I think I'm starting to realize that my voice, unfortunately, in my head is inherently critical. That's the first thought that comes to me. And I'm really trying to work on that positive voice. And I do this for myself. So I call, I kind of think of it as like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. So that bitch on the left who would look in the mirror and be like, oh, you need to do this. You look gross. You look this way. Whenever I hear that thought, I do think it's kind of impossible or just unrealistic for us to imagine that that voice will never exist. I'm not saying that every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, I love everything about me. But when I hear that voice, I immediately try to override it by amplifying this quote unquote angel voice by literally looking in the mirror and saying, whatever I critiqued, I will compliment and affirm. So if I critique my stomach, I will then look in the mirror and be like, I fucking love my stomach. My stomach is just the way I want it to be. Thank you stomach for holding all of my motherfucking organs and allowing my body to function. Um, And I now do it also if I find myself critiquing other people. So if my first thought is like, what the hell is that shirt? I'm like, no, Cameron, stop. That shirt looks so nice on you. Like, wow, you are pulling off that shirt. And it's not fake. I'm just really trying to rewire my brain. And I love- I c- as someone who can relate to a very critical mother um, and just like having very critical thoughts as the first, as your fr- like first responders really <laughs> to <Yeah>. any situation, <laughs> um, I, I do think that it's not just our mothers. It's really like society like everything you know and it's funny because why do you think our mothers got exactly right so and i love my mom to fucking death but still she's got a real bitch voice in her head sometimes yeah 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 and she doesn't really hold it in for me (laughs) so um that's funny because before you said you were a bitch i was just thinking like about before when you were talking about like how you worked in finance and just like how we were talking about like waif thin women and on tv Mm -hmm. and it was funny because like before, I don't know, a couple of years ago, like that was the standard to be like this power bitch. Like I said that in yes. my head, but I wanted to bring this up, like this power bitch. And in order to be like this power bitch, you have to be so thin and you have to be like, and that's the only way you in can your be perceived. Suit. Exactly. That's the only way you can be perceived as fashionable. 
like mm-hmm. to have a style. Otherwise you can't have a style if you weren't that thin. And I, re- and that's something that I struggle with is because like, if I go through photos of myself and I'm like thinner, I'm like, wow, I could wear those outfits then. But then I remember like, why can't I still wear those? Out- I could still, they come in totally larger sizes. So it's just, it's just funny because it's like sort of this persona we were like aspiring to be like, and she's not that what's so great about her nothing all those women got completely i hate to dare i say canceled during Mm -hmm. this like recent thing because that is sort of the attitude that it encouraged taking advantage of people being a bitch was cool it was like that's what you have to be and a result of being hungry (laughs) yeah yeah it is you're right this episode is brought to you by newly Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life, so it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Okay, well, really quickly on what you were saying, it's really interesting that comparison, what you were saying, how you look at old pictures. So I've talked about this on my stories, but when I was at that point of like semi-directive behavior, what we talked about, obsessed with what I was eating, working out very intensely every day. I remember I was at the Equinox Bryant Park every morning and they have those old school scales in the locker room. I've never owned a scale in my life. I've never weighed, like I was never someone to weigh myself, but I saw every woman weighing themselves. And I started to think, is this what I'm supposed to do? And so I remember one day I, I did it and then I kept doing it. And then I caught myself one day as I was inching it lower and lower because it was that manual one that I was getting this sense of gratitude. And I was like, hell no, we are not doing this. This is not what my self-worth is tied up into. Get the hell off the scale and we are not coming back on it. But that number has always stuck with me. And so over the past two, three years at doctor's appointments, you know, whatever, when they weigh you, I've always, even though I don't want to, inherently in my mind, compared it to that number that I know was probably the lowest I've ever been since I was like an adult. And I'm like, oh my God, I've Oh my God. And it's so fucked up because now I'm at like 20 pounds over that number and I've never been happier. And I came to this realization of, and I was talking about this with someone 
what am I 20 pounds heavier than that version of myself? Yeah. Is life 20 times better? Honestly, it kind of is. I have ice cream every fucking day. I had a bagel for lunch yesterday and chicken fingers for dinner. I'm so much happier. I'm so much more confident in my skin. I'm less anxious, less depressed. Why would I want to go back to that version of myself who hated her life just so I could be a number on a scale that doesn't fucking matter? Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you're talking about this one number thing, because as you're saying it, I'm like, I know what that number is for me. I had, I was 19. Oh, that's the other thing. Imagine compare. So 20, I'm about to be 29. And I've looked back at photos from college and I'm like, oh my God, look at how I, look at how small I was. Look at this. Look at that. And I'm 19. Imagine when you're 19 comparing yourself to a nine-year-old's body because that's a 10-year difference. And how effed up is that? Think about how much changes over that time. It's delusional because I thought that that was the weight I could be for my wedding. Anyway, (laughs) that's not happening. Delusional. Um, Fuck wedding diets. I have a whole thing on that too. Oh, we should do that uh, towards the end, but- (laughs) Um, but there is something that I think that's interesting that you made, you make a connection that I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people make between the recovering perfectionism, the recovering bitchism that like I can totally yeah. relate to. And the fact that it all is tied up in like both the messages we're ex- getting externally and internally. So it's mm-hmm. like, we're tell- you're seeing, okay, it's, it's good to be this way. And then you're like, oh, I actually feel shitty about myself, but you don't know that like. You do. And then you externalize that to everyone else. Like it all is, and then it's further encouraged by like the fact that that is considered like high status. And Mm -hmm. I don't know like what we were thinking. I feel like we're sort of lucky that that phase occurred when we were like in our teens slash 20s rather than in our 30s slash 40s when we're like accountable adults and our lives would have been like completely destroyed by this messaging at least at least we get to kind of turn it around mm-hmm. um but it's really like a very interesting like kind of intersection yes and i also think a lot comes with age where i think we're like around the same age all three of us um and i do 31. think a lot yeah so similar i think a lot comes with this like late 20, early 30s because not only are you figuring out your life but you're also assessing what's important and that means whether it's your job, relationships, like think about how much your relationships change in that window because you no longer have to spend time with people you don't want to spend time with. And you kind of remove toxicity from your life in all aspects. Yeah, that is kind of the goal. Yeah, the goal. (laughs) The goal. And also you're spending you're spending a lot of time like maybe working and so you're like you have limited time and so you get to choose and you you choose it wisely because you sort of have less decide that you have less time for bullshit right yes. like that's what we actively sit around and think about like I, I just I'm like I don't want to deal with this today I don't want right. to deal with that no. person I don't need to talk to her like yeah it's you get to choose uh-huh absolutely right. um do you want to talk about face tuning filters and in yes. Instagram yes. because we touched on that earlier and I feel like that's like a big part of what you said mm-hmm. that you talk about um so how did you sort of decide that you're not using filters yeah and- so not even the Paris I- filter no none oh, that's so my favorite. that's the only one I use <laughs> when I started basically as I said like in the beginning my Instagram was all food even on my stories it was just recipes but never me talking it was like steps written out part of that was because I was still a JP and I wanted to keep church and state separate I didn't want my client about this account. I didn't want them and judge you judging me. So it really wasn't about me. 
Once I quit, I started to share more about myself. And my little sister jokes, the second you talk to your camera, I'm deleting your Instagram. Now it's all I freaking do. So the reason I hated watching other influencers talk to their camera is because it felt so unattainable. And a lot of that I, I felt was wrapped up in these filters. And they had these full faces of makeup. And I... I have very thin, like straight, can't do anything with my hair. And so when people have these gorgeous wavy blowouts, it's the like the bachelorette look. It's the number one thing I'm jealous of. And I was just so amazed how these people just put so put together, but seemed so unapproachable. And I decided if I'm going to talk to my camera, I'm not going to use any filters. I'm going to talk about what's going on in reality in my life. And I think there was this misconception and I didn't have many followers, but the people who did follow me were like, oh my God, she left JP Morgan to go do this full time. She's killing it. Like meanwhile, I'm schlepping around. At that point, I was cooking for people privately in their homes and meal prepping. So I was schlepping around groceries all over New York. I was like trying to get into these apartments who had not left a key for me. I was working with ovens that weren't working. Like it was not all glamorous and glitter. So I decided that on the first of every month, I would do this thing called unfiltered day. And I would actually talk to my camera and I wouldn't use any filters and I would show a behind the scenes look of what I was doing. And then you could submit questions and I would answer every question in an unfiltered way. I emailed like a ton of content creators asking if they would start doing it with me. I like, you know, in my head, I thought it would become this big thing. And if I got like big people to do it with me, also people would know who I was. It didn't work. But I have (laughs) since continued... I kind of committed to doing it every first of the month and then it just became something that I became comfortable doing and it became my every day. And so I still do unfiltered Q&A on the first of the month where you can submit a question about anything and I'll answer it. But the aspect of talking to the camera with no filters and talking about my life just became my everyday stories. And the issue I have with filters on the forefront, and then I'll talk about Facetune, is I think it's it really fucks with our mental health on both sides. As a creator or even just a regular person, you have consumers who are consuming your social media and they're automatically taking that version of you as reality. Even though now it does say there are certain filters on top of your stories, like people are still seeing that and thinking, oh my God, she's so beautiful. I wish I could look like that. Or wow, that's so nice. Look at her flawless skin. So not only are we screwing with them and causing deep rooted mental like body image issues, But you're also screwing with your own mental health because every time you open your phone and you put on these filters, you're then inherently thinking that this is actually what you look like. And when you see yourself without the filters, you compare it to that filtered version and you're like, oh shit, I don't look good. But if you just never use the filters, you would love the way you actually looked. So that's my issue. Also, I just, I find some of them so ridiculous. Like I really don't like when someone's trying to talk about something serious and they've got butterflies flying all over their face. That drives me like, crazy. Or like dog I'm like, ears. <laughs> I'm like, why oh. are there why are there sparkles on your face while it you're talking about anything? Yes. So that's why I just really don't like filters to begin with. And then Photoshop and Facetune is a whole nother piece because you are quite literally altering reality. And you're making yourself into a version that isn't even close to being what you are. And it kills me that such powerful influencers in today's world use it so heavily and these consumers are taking it for reality when it's nowhere near reality and i learned about facetune i think like a year or so ago when my girlfriend was talking about it and i was like well no one really uses that and she started showing me photos and you know like zooming in and you can see the blurs and all of that and so recently i asked her to photo like photoshop facetune whatever a photo of me 
and make it noticeable if I did them side by side, but not so intense that, you know, if I, hypothetically speaking, if I posted it, I could get away with it. So I wanted to do a side by side to show people. And I did it in my stories and the responses I got were overwhelming. A lot of people, which I will say, people don't believe me. I pulled my community and a large percent said they don't use Facetune, and a few people DM'd me being like, "This just isn't true." I know people use Facetune; they're lying. And I said, "You know, I actually think part of it is the curated community that we've created here. Maybe if an influencer who heavily uses Facetune polled her audience, it'd be different." But I'm proud of that result. And a lot of people messaged me being like, "I've never even seen this. I didn't know it was possible. I don't believe anything I see on the internet anymore." And a lot of other I mean, people how could were they saying, "Not know." I mean, I didn't. Like I, I didn't really know until a year really? ago. Yeah. And you know, then I, I did a funny whole post like, about it. It's funny because like a year ago is when I like stopped doing it. But like I think I, I was way behind it. the times. Yeah. Wait, so what, what happened when you did a post about it? It blew the hell up. I mean, from in my terms of Freckled Foodie, it blew the hell up. For yeah. me, I, I like did a full fucking photo shoot in my backyard in a bathing suit with a tripod. And there were actually men cutting down a tree that had fallen from the storms. It was super embarrassing. My husband drove up the driveway, stared at me like I had 10 heads, but I was dedicated to doing this. And I sent them all to my friend. I asked her to Photoshop and Facetune them. And then I did a post of them side by side. And I just called it out. And I said like, A, let's stop taking what we consume on social media as reality and stop comparing yourself to everyone else because you're only seeing highlights or you're seeing altered versions. And as a creator, quit it. We got to stop this madness. It's actually insane. Like you're really impacting people. And I mean, it became my most liked, most shared. I like gained a ton of followers. Yeah, that's it. I gained a ton of followers from it. Like great, awesome, all fun and games. But like the real point of it was really just to draw attention to it. And I think it really showed people how much you can change. And I also said, you know, sure, my butt is bigger, my boobs are bigger, my arms and my legs are thinner in the altered versions, but I like the ones of me better because I actually am myself and I look like the version of me that I see in the mirror every day. Yeah, I think that once um, sort of, I mean, people will continue to Facetune. I think right. like, you have the responsibility as like a consumer on Instagram to choose to follow or not follow those people. Yes. And then once you do that, then you actively have to remember if you take a bad photo, which I think is the biggest trigger because I was thinking about this, like I'm going through my own body image journey. Um, I think about it and I'm like, if there were no photos being taken or there's no like pressure, especially during quarantine, there's no pressure to take any photos. um, You almost kind of automatically feel better about yourself without like having to do any active work. You just sort Mm -hmm. of don't have this reflection of you 24-7 like in your photo stream. Totally. But so say we are, so let's say post pre whatever pandemic, let's normal quote unquote times. (laughs) We're immediately like you take your photo, you are on Instagram, you see like this feed of all these like whatever, face-tuned people, perfect pictures. And then you immediately, without thinking about it, compare it to your own photos. Mm -hmm. And you can't, it's sort of like you have to actively remember like, okay, this is me. Also, this is just a photo of me. This is not the reality. I'm a 360 person. And sometimes I'll take a photo, I'll post it. I didn't edit it. And I'll be like, this is kind of bullshit also because this is a really good angle of myself. Totally. And I feel or like, like the sh- one photo I've, of the 50 that looked good. Exactly. You're I'm, amazing at posing. I'm, re- I'm really good at posing. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes feel, 
Cause I have like a fucking shit ton of other pictures. I was like, Oh, just do like a lot, you know? And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, I don't know what's the accurate representation because are those just weird angles or is that just a good angle? And then I find myself, I'm like, none of this matters. None of this matters. Get out of it. Delete some of these, whatever, do whatever is going to help you feel good. Because at the end of the day, that's all that is important Mm -hmm. is just to like retain the positive self image thoughts in your head. Not the, not the delusional ones, (laughs) but the positive ones, because that helps you sort of get to the next moment. And the ones that are based in reality. Like, you know, I give myself affirmations, right? No, but I mean, even like not like reality as in not even in a photo, I give myself affirmations every day in the morning. And, you know, even one of those is a lot of the times like you are more than your physical appearance. Imagine if you were to list like the top five things you love your best friends, would you ever be like, oh, and she has amazing body? No, <laughs> no one cares. Right. That's true. That is true. Uh- Before we finish, I do want to hear your um, thing about the wedding diet. Oh, yeah. I am 10 days left on my, and I'm never, ever <laughs> going to, re- literally, it is pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every oh, day God. from after so, this So I have a lot of thoughts on the wedding diet. I got married two years ago and I was so furious that every person who saw that I was engaged and asked when our wedding was then proceeded to ask, well, what are you doing for your diet? A, it insinuates that I need to lose weight. So piss off and hop off. Two, why do you suddenly feel like you have the ability and like wherewithal to comment on my body? You know, this is something that we've taught from a very young age. Don't talk to people about their weight. Don't comment on their weight, like to strangers. Yet the second you say you're engaged, everyone feels like they have the right to ask when you're dieting. So that really drove me crazy. It made me really angry. Also, this was right after I was kind of going through this phase of it, you know, I quit my job while we were engaged that year window. So there was a lot going on in my life. And it was when I was trying to be more accepting of myself and less type A, less perfectionist. And I joke all the time, if I had gotten married to Joe when I was at JP still, it would have been a different ballgame. I would have been a motherfucking bridezilla. I would have been <laughs> up my mom and wedding planners, but I would have been so anal about things. I would have cared so much about the smallest details that don't matter. And I would have been stick thin because I would have been on an extreme diet. And what a 180 it was when we showed up at the wedding because I, you know, I was very go with the flow about the whole thing. I was, didn't care about certain, like it it just was a different version of myself. And I'm really grateful for that. But the diet plays into that. And I knew I could go down a path. My therapist and I always talk about this. Like I very much am always met at these moments where I choose between two paths. And oftentimes I'll reflect on what my life could be if I took the other one. And this is one of them. For example, I could have gone down a path that was very only green juice in the morning, strictly salad and protein for lunch. And, you know, I could have done that and I could have gotten in this ridiculously thin shape. However, I love life too much to do that to myself. And I didn't want to look back on these photos from our wedding and look like a version of me that isn't real. Like I've seen so many brides walk down that look like bobbleheads and you're like, who, who is that person? And I knew I didn't want that. I also knew that if I let it even start, I would go extreme. And I also think that a wedding is so much more important than what you look like. You're marrying, hopefully the love of your life and committing to spend the rest of your life with someone. And that, in my opinion, should really be the focus rather than 
how thin your arms look in a photo or, you know, whether something hangs over the dress. And I realize while I'm saying this a lot, you know, some people did reach out even about the Facetune stuff like, well, you're thin. So what does it matter? And I get that I have thin privilege. I'm well aware of that. I'm able-bodied. Um, however, I do think that like, you know, we all have our insecurities no matter how thin you are or not. So I do think that this conversation does apply to everyone. And for me, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep my lifestyle. I want to look like myself. I went to my dress fitting. I picked the dress the day after Thanksgiving. So I was like, okay, well, I'll definitely fit in this in six months or 11. I don't even know when I got the dress. Um, And then each fitting, the stylist was like, wow, you haven't lost any weight. And I was like, yeah, I don't plan to. So we can just (laughs) do this the, the way it is. And, you know, I talked with my one friend about this all. And when we got our photos, there are photos of Joe and I, and we're like crying during our first look. And like, I am like, my face is kind of like mushed against. I've got like a fake fortune and I'm smiling so intensely. And those are my favorite photos from the wedding because I am so happy. And I think if I had cared way more about what I looked like and gone on this diet, I would look at those photos, even though I'm eluding joy, exuding joy and think, oh my God, my chin. Like, I do think that that would have been my first thought had I focused so much on what I was going to look like that day. And also, like, I can fit my dress now. I tried on my dress at the beginning of quarantine because it's been at my mom's house. And when we came home, or my parents, I don't know why I said my mom, but when we came home, I was like, I'm going to try on my dress because why not? It fits. Like, let's have fun. And I don't know. I just think there's so much more important stuff than solely the way that we look that day. But again, media has made us all believe that has to be the most beautiful you've ever looked in your life. That's yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's I'm true though. It. I'm it's true that because lie. I was um yeah when I was I got married almost a year ago and I remember talking to Sammy and like I was like I'm so stressed out like wedding planning is fucking crazy I'm like so stressed <laughs> out and she and you're like oh so what are you trying to figure out right now and like granted I did change my venue midway I did change my wedding planner three times like I did a lot of crazy shit <laughs> you had a lot going on. But um, yeah, but I, when you asked me like, Sammy, when you asked me like, oh, what are you trying to figure out right now? I'm like, I don't know. It's just like a lot of stuff right now. And really, I look back on it. I was really just so, so hard on myself about my like diet. I was so stressed out about brain. looking mm-hmm. a certain way. Like these things matter so much that don't actually matter. That's really what I was so, so stressed about. Like that is the number one thing I had um, at the end of the day, I had an amazing venue. I had an amazing wedding planner. I had an amazing, I was so like grateful for all those things. And yet still I was beyond stressed. And that's because I was just trying to get to this like place of so restricted, like such restricted Mm -hmm. eating. Well, I think there's this like, well, cause I think that like, I don't know, at least what I find myself doing, I have a very active imagination. And so I have a very strong picture in my head of what I want it to look like. And that, and I think that part of that includes how I want myself to look. Um, And then when there's a gap between that and you know, I only have two months to fix that gap or like X amount of time, there's nothing that you can actively be doing in that moment because what diets have taught you is that you should just be not eating. And there's something very stressful about having to every second, like your goal is to not eat. It's like, especially when you actually need to do that thing to live. 
Yeah, it's like, that's what creates. I that's what creates the the most stress. I think like I'm not really that stressed about like planning the wedding. Like I'm stressed about like making sure this vision comes to life. At like uh, yeah, and, like that's, this angle of my my body is looks good at like in the video, which is the scarier. <laughs> well, the video, not okay, the photos. Okay, but like, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned your stylist was like, well, you haven't lost any weight. Mm-hmm. I gained weight. Like, my I mean, I did too. Over that, over that year, I definitely gained weight too. And honestly, yeah. I mean, again, who the hell cares? And it it's matter. kind of like when you talk about, you know, I say this all the time, if something doesn't go right on the day of your wedding, for the most part, if there's a small detail that messes up, no one actually knows other than you, the husband, your parents, and maybe the in-laws and the wedding planner. Like we were supposed to do this huge cocktail hour by the pool at the venue and it was supposed to be gorgeous. And the morning of, we had to change it to this pavilion because it rained all day on our wedding day. And we made this decision. I was like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. And not one person ever knew. Like everyone loved cocktail hour at the pavilion and they never knew that it was not supposed to be there. Like I had a belt that was part of my dress that got thrown in the trash and everyone was freaking out. And I'm like, who cares? No one even knew that the belt existed. What does it matter? Like it, it, I, I don't need it. And I also think that we get that wrapped up about ourselves because yes, everyone's Everyone is looking at you. You are the bride. However, no one is like looking at you and picking apart your body. They're saying, oh my gosh, she's glowing. The recovering bitches are. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> fuck them. Well, you know what? Who cares what they think? Don't invite them. Yeah, don't invite them. But honestly, who cares what they think? And everyone, for the most part, is thinking about how happy you look and how amazing it is that you are actually committing. And I think this goes so overlooked with the bachelorettes and all this shit. You're committing to spend your life with someone. That is huge. That's a really, really big deal. And it should not be overlooked and like undermined by this diet that we're supposed to be on because God forbid your arm doesn't look skinny enough. You're so right. Maybe it's a distraction. <laughs> it is. A, it, you know what? You're right. It from is like a distraction. The, oh my God. Like, it is a distraction because like the enormity of that commitment, if you spend your year looking to your wedding and you are so focused on it, I think that's like a really scary thing. That's like a lot for hu- like humans to process. Yeah. So I think it's easier for people to be like, oh my God, like the Cause flowers. It's tangible. Because right, things are tangible. tangible. We love tangible assets. Right. Right. You can like, right. Your, your finance is coming, right. You can like exchange for it. You can like tell your planner, like you can email right. and be like, I want this. It's mm-hmm. like a lot harder to like deal with the uncertainty and the, and like the emotions around getting married. Yeah. I think also I do have a privilege in that sense because I didn't feel I had been with my husband for 12 years, 12, eight, seven. 11, 11 years before we got married. So I feel like I had overcome that, like, because I just, oh, I literally, when I was 15 or 16, told my best friends I was going to marry him. So I just felt like that was what was supposed to happen. So I didn't feel that, which I do think is very, very common, the fear of it all. Not even like the fear, just like the fact that it is uncertainty, the hugeness of it. It's a big commitment. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so much easier. But you're to gonna focus. do great in ten days. <laughs> no, I'm feeling. Huge. I feel great about it. I'm honestly like, 
like it's I don't think huge has to be like negative like it can be right. like, well, Trump like made it I look negative, at it like we can make it positive right like I look <laughs> at it like like huge in a good way like but yeah that doesn't mean that it's there's like less emotion wrapped up in it like it's still you know I there's a lot of feelings there and totally. that's like a lot to process and it's a lot easier to be like oh my god how are my abs it's a lot it's yes. easier to focus on something else something that you could try to control it the, is because sometimes yeah, when I the think unknown about it, you can't control like when i sit down to like write my vows it's like very emotional and i and mm-hmm. i'm like oh my god like i i feel and i wonder if i only had to read them to him would i find it easier <laughs> like Were, are you going to read them to him beforehand no like they're going in the yeah it's a lot it's a lot of emotion yeah and it's very (laughs) overwhelming and so and so usually my vow writing sessions become me like looking at my checklist because it's like this is Mm -hmm. easier than pouring out tangible yeah yeah and we like to check things off yes exactly um well, that was awesome. Do we yeah. do you have a non-scale win to share with us today? My non-scale win, I declared August the month of like me. It's my birthday month. I love August. Everyone said it was very Leo season of me, but you I You are really very know. Leo. Well, I'm a Virgo. Well, oh, <laughs> so we're so we're both our, our mothers. Which everyone oh, yeah. says I'm very Virgo, but me claiming that this month was mine, people said was Leo. I don't know horoscopes, so I really don't you understand. Either. I don't know what that However, means. However, <laughs> I have decided that I'm just going to own the shit out of this month and do things that make me happy and quit comparing myself, whether it's like a body or even like business-wise. I do that a lot on Instagram. Um, so I'm done with that shit. So that's a non-scale win, but something that's actually happened, one of my vision board goals is coming true next week, which I'm really excited about. That's, that's exciting. exciting. You when know did you make the board? I made it in January. And although 2020 has sucked, two of them have come true now. So. Is it like a physical board? Did you use magazines? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I did. How big, how big is but it? Like I printed them out. It's like the size of your like – it's like a like one of those classic poster boards. It's like this big and it hangs. Um, we have like a sliding door in our apartment in our bedroom. Uh-huh. And that was the place that Joe agreed that I could tape it because it can slide in and out. Um, cool. Yeah. So one and of I'm you really, tell us I'm, or, or no, – yeah. no, Oh, you'll tell okay. us. Well, I can. Oh. Well, one of them was that I really wanted to collaborate with Lululemon and I did that in April. So that was a big one for me. Cool. And then I'm going to be on the Today Show on Congrats. Monday. Yeah, Congrats. and that's been a really big dream of mine. So well, next what did you up, put I have on to the, get on Dak Shepard's podcast. What did you um, put on the board? The Today Show. You literally put that on. Yeah, I'll send oh, you a photo. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. It's always you know, a dream. Send us a pic of your- I'll send it to you. Board, Hopefully the segment actually airs on Monday. They're like, don't tell anyone until Sunday when it's actually official, but this will be out. So well, this is out on Sunday. Sunday. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, want tomorrow morning. <laughs> if you want, you could tell us to take this out. If okay. You, if it doesn't. Well, air. hopefully it's still happening. Yeah. Maybe Sunday I'll get testing it. You yeah. know what I like that you do on Instagram? The, the, the carousel oh, Sunday highlights. Of, your, of your week because, mm-hmm. and I've actually started thinking like maybe I would do that just for like myself because it's so fun. I don't commemorate like the happy moments of my life in any way. And maybe I need to start. Yeah. So it's honestly photos most of the time that I'm not posting. Maybe they're on my story, but they just make me really happy. It could be something so small. Like I took a photo of the sunset at when we were playing tennis. It's a lot of times me cuddling with our puppy. 
but just things that made me happy over the week. And it's a fun Sunday activity for me to scroll through and pick what I want to use. I like that. Thanks. Maybe I would do like my own version of that on story. Sammy, what's your, what's your non-scale win? You know, Eileen has been here for a week and we are my mom. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what? Right. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are getting along famously. That's amazing. Yay. Yeah. Big win. I I put that on your vision board for you. (laughs) Didn't I say that? I was like, I, let's just hope that you guys, I, I'm praying for you guys to have a, a peaceful two apartment? weeks. Yeah, she's like in the other room, probably. Wow, like, listening wow. through the wall. <laughs> listening. Through I did what seventy she days. Say about me? Yeah. Okay, wait. You know what's really funny? Okay, this morning, <laughs> last night, I went into her room, which is also Avi's office, like during the day, and she has like a little pile of chocolate chips on the dresser. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, what is this? She's like, I just take one every once in a while. That's <laughs> great. Just uh, rationing out my chocolate chips every so often. No, she's not even rationing it. There's no rationing. Oh, just like, there. She's it's like, I didn't want to have to go out and get it every few. Fair. Very fair. I bring snacks up into my room all the time. It's her snack pile. Yeah. She has like. She's yeah, like a she, squirrel. She's literally <laughs> a squirrel. She has like huge bags. Of, she's a squirrel. I, I bet you it's she's amazing. looking through the wall, like trying to figure out what you're No, she's, she's two rooms away. Okay. She's I'm so jealous of your new apartment. Yeah, I'm going to say um, two rooms away. I want your apartment. <laughs> two, three rooms. Um, I can't think of a win, honestly. Oh, I did yoga this morning, which I've been saying I would do. Did you do Pel- Melissa Wood help? No, I did Peloton yoga. Um, and I did only 20 minutes. And we're talking about somebody who used to think, like, if you don't do, like, an hour of working out, it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's not worth it. But I did 20 minutes, so much so that I was, like, is this, is this over yet? Like, holy shit. Like why this is taking so long. And I it was very enjoyable. And like, it act like it changed my mood. Amazing. Like, significantly. And I've been trying to do Peloton yoga for since the beginning of quarantine. And I've been saying I'm going to do I'm it. I'm obsessed with the Peloton app. And I finally did it. Yeah. It's Honestly, great. a non-scale win on that note is that I usually go on a walk with my puppy today and it was raining. And so I was like, well, should I work out? I don't know. And my workout was learning a TikTok dance. And I was like, you know what? That was enough. That was great. It's, it's movement. That's oh God. The walk dance, dance. Let me tell you, the walk dance is hard. I'll never post it anywhere, but I learned it. Yeah, I'm sure. You should post oh, that's it. Like, you know, it's people pay so money for, for a class like that. <laughs> I do. Dance body. That's yeah. me. I'm that person. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, so where can people follow you? Where can they follow you on TikTok? <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, the WAP dance that won't be up. Um, at Freckled Foodie on Instagram and on TikTok. And I mean, all of my channels are on Instagram, like blog and all of that. And then podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. Awesome. Everyone go check out Cameron. I was about to call you Freckles. It's funny because it's okay. you don't look like you have a lot of freckles through Zoom. Oh, but covered, on your but I know the zoom kind of like contours almost, but I'm yeah, literally yeah. covered. My whole body is covered. It looks like you have a ring light via zoom, but I don't. Yeah. It's actually the sun behind. Oh, oh. you see that? Okay, Gwen. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, in, yeah. I'm in my mom's office. So it's like all nice. these windows. It's just yeah. the natural. But, sun, yeah. You know, on my forehead, sun. it yeah. looks like a ring light. <laughs> but well, thank Instagram, you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome to get to know you. And thanks for sharing your story with all of our listeners. 
Um, please go follow Cameron and we're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman and Sammy Fishbine. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram and email your questions and non-scale wins to dst at betches.com. Betches.